Let us pray. Open our minds to understanding, teach our hearts to love, and strengthen our wills to carry out the mission of your word. Amen. Today's first re reading is from Isaiah 7, 10 through 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. And today's gospel reading is from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was, to, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Probably comes as little surprise to you all that Advent is a big deal in my home. Tim and I both grew up in Presbyterian churches where Advent was celebrated every year with the wreath being lit each Sunday during Advent, just as it is here and so now in our own home, we have an Advent wreath, and we take our time getting the Christmas decorations up. In fact, we just put our tree up last week, and it still doesn't have all the decorations on it. That is partly to help build the anticipation of the season, partly we are just super busy with a million cello concerts and soccer games. <laughs> now don't get me wrong, this love of Advent is not because I don't love Christmas. You can ask my husband. I love Christmas. I love the corny music on the radio. I have strong opinions about what the top Christmas albums are that you have to listen to. I know which Christmas movies must be watched every year and which ones are optional. I love giving people presents. 
But there is just something so special about sitting and taking the time to gear up for all of that. The season of waiting and preparing makes the moment when Christmas bursts forth into the night with candlelight services and peace on earth, goodwill to all, that much sweeter. This fourth and final Sunday of Advent, where did this month go? This fourth and final Sunday of Advent, we are all chomping at the bit to get to the nativity, even Advent loving me. We've been waiting for weeks. And this morning, with this passage from Matthew, we're almost there, but not quite. This passage kind of flirts with telling us the nativity story, but it's not quite all the way there. It's not Linus reciting Luke 2, like we're waiting for in a couple of days. This passage talks about the virgin birth, but it's not really about Mary or even about Jesus' birth. We still hold off on that part of the story for a few more days. Today, in this passage from Matthew, we look at the human man who took in Jesus as his son. The man Jesus called Daddy when he was growing up. Today, we lit the candle of love. And in this passage from Matthew, we see that love is hard and it is not always predictable, especially the love that God has for us. In this passage, one of the very few that tell us much at all about Joseph's character is about Joseph's response to God's call. It's also not just about how great Joseph is. As in most call stories, God calls someone who doesn't have it all figured out yet. On all of the Christmas cards, Joseph and Mary have giant shiny halos of light around their heads, but they had to grow into those halos just like the rest of us do. Now, a little background on this passage is helpful to understand Joseph's predicament and his response. This is one of those places where the gospel writer Matthew assumes that the audience knows the entire Old Testament really well, including Deuteronomy, which most of us do not, because Deuteronomy is not the most riveting book of the Bible to read. But according to the law set forth in Deuteronomy 22... If a young unmarried woman, like Mary, was found to have committed adultery, she was to be stoned to death. In fact, even if she had resisted the encounter, she was to be stoned to death for not having screamed loud enough to be rescued from the perpetrator. That seems pretty harsh. I have a feeling most of us in the room have at some point in our lives known someone who unexpectedly became a parent as a teenager. It's a story even older than the book of Deuteronomy. And thinking about that person perhaps puts into perspective the severity of Mary's presumed situation. By the time Joseph was planning to divorce Mary quietly, the penalties had been softened a bit from the time of Deuteronomy. But they were still harsh. 
If Mary were found to be pregnant, while still betrothed to Joseph and not yet married, the penalty was a public trial for adultery and possible stoning. And for Joseph, the punishment would just be shame, serious shame. Joseph was already, at least in part, responsible for Mary's care at this point. They weren't actually married and living together yet, but a betrothal at that time was a legally binding arrangement. And the only way he could get out of it was by divorce. But Joseph was a good man. He was a kind man. So rather than make a big fuss with a formal adultery trial, as was fully within his legal rights, he decided to be kind to Mary and to divorce her quietly. This would save both of them a scandal and would possibly save Mary her life. At the least, it would save her a great deal of public shame. Joseph, her betrothed, but not yet her husband, still decided to show grace and kindness to Mary, who was probably a relatively young teenager at the time. He didn't have to. In fact, nobody would have thought less of him if he'd let this go to trial. Now, we have no way of knowing if he wanted to divorce her because he thought she'd been unfaithful, or if he already knew about the Holy Spirit's intervention and was just terrified of being married to someone who'd been used by God in such an incredible and sacred way. The scripture isn't entirely clear on the order he found things out. But either way, Joseph decided not to make a stink of things and to let it go quietly. He chose the kind and quiet way of dealing with an uncomfortable situation. And after his decision to do the kind thing for Mary, the decent thing, the thing that was more gracious and loving than what the law or the culture of the time would tell him to do, Joseph was visited in a dream by an angel. Now, one might expect that after the loving decision that Joseph has made, that perhaps the angel is there to compliment him on his great job at showing kindness. But instead, the angel says... That's gracious, Joseph, but not gracious enough. Don't be afraid of this situation. Don't worry about what people are going to think. This is God's work, and I'm going to need you to go a step or two further than that. Yes, Joseph is gracious, but God is even more gracious. I don't know about you, but I probably would have woken up from that dream and said, thanks for the offer, God, but I'll pass. (laughs) It is frustrating when you are already going above and beyond normal standards and God says to go higher and further. Joseph was already stretching the bounds of cultural norms. And instead of saying, I'm just doing what the law from Deuteronomy says to get himself out of a really awkward situation, he follows God's calling anyway. And that's where we learn what kind of person he really is. He follows God's call, word for word, above and beyond doing the right, as in legally and morally acceptable thing, or even doing the kind thing. He does God's thing. This is too big not to take it seriously, especially knowing that kindness he was already planning on affording Mary 
Mary wasn't far enough. Clearly, he needed God's intervention to truly do what he was called to do. The angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. And so he does. He takes her home as his wife. The angel says, give this baby the name Jesus. And he gives him the name Jesus. Because he listened to the call, Joseph became no longer just a good man, not even just a kind man, but a man of God. He went from being an upright person to being God's person. He could have just followed the law, or he could have continued on his kind plan of not making a big deal of the situation, and that would have been fine. But if he had, he would have been known quite differently in our history if he were remembered at all. He would have been known as a kind but slightly misdirected man rather than a man of God who took in God's own son in confusing and weird circumstances. Joseph's plans were quickly and completely changed by God. His plans were fine, but God's plans were bigger. Just because we're doing what looks kind or gracious by the standards around us, going what looks like a step above and beyond, that doesn't mean we're off the hook for evaluating our actions through God's eyes and with the vision of fulfilling God's promises. Joseph's plans were fine. They weren't sinful. They were nice. And God changed them anyway. Just because we aren't sinning doesn't mean we are doing God's work. Just doing what seems to be the kind thing is, is not necessarily God's call for our life. We are called to even more than that. And like Joseph, we must start there. Listen for God and go a step further with our grace and participation in God's work. This might mean offering genuine friendship and kindness when simply being amiable with someone would be considered good enough. Sometimes this might look like entering into real conversation with someone in need who drives us crazy rather than politely avoiding them. It means don't just listen to people who disagree with you, but actively seek out people who are different and listen deeply to their stories. This might mean starting a new ministry at a church when it already looks like you're doing a lot or like others aren't doing enough or when you have no idea how God's going to provide the resources to pull it off. Sometimes God changes the path of our lives, individual or communal, suddenly or surprisingly or in weird and uncomfortable ways. We might know a thing or two about that around here. Am I right? Sometimes just when you think you're exactly on the right path or you're at least close, God swoops down and says, but there's more. And suddenly everything looks different than it did five minutes ago. It's not that you were on the wrong path. It's just that there is a turn in the road that wasn't visible. That is frustrating and terrifying sometimes. But that's the Christmas story. God coming down and shaking up our plans. The reason Jesus is called Emmanuel, especially this time of year, is because it means God with us. 
And the word with there means more than just with. It's among, a part of, in the midst of. God comes down and frustrates our plans, not just as some sick joke, some cosmic way of messing with us for giggles, but because God's presence, by its nature, shakes things up when it lands among us. That is what the incarnation, Jesus coming to earth as a human baby, does. We spend Advent singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And I don't think we always realize how dangerous that request is. Joseph knew the prophecies from Isaiah. He was a good Jewish boy waiting for the Messiah. And then the Messiah actually came and woo! it took an angel in a dream to get Joseph all the way on board with what God was doing. Sometimes, just when we think we have it figured out, God says, but there's more. And then God comes down and takes over and wild and wonderful things happen. We hear the word incarnation a lot in church circles this time of year. And that's a fancy word that means becoming flesh. It's what Jesus did when he was born into human flesh. It's what Joseph agreed to be a part of when he listened to that angel. It's also, in a way, what happens... When we allow ourselves to go along for the ride and be God's hands and feet in the world today. Throughout this year, because it it occurred to me this morning that this is the last Sunday sermon of the year that I will be preaching to you all. Um, This past year, we have prayed together for the futures of these congregations. This here in Emsworth, um, over at St. Andrews as well. And from those prayers and conversations, really cool new things are brewing. There is a new momentum, a new energy rumbling around just below the surface, ready to burst out at any moment now. And when it does, it's not going to look like the status quo. It's not even going to look like the cool or kind things that other congregations are doing. It's going to be bigger and more gracious and completely different than anything we could possibly imagine. So as we enter 2020, that's such a weird thing to say, as we enter 2020 together, let's continue to pray and dream and create new things together. Going beyond just what is right, going beyond even the kind thing to do, doing the wild and crazy things that we are called and equipped to do. Let us embrace the crazy ride that happens when God breaks into our world. God with us, Emmanuel. Not just doing the right thing or the same thing or even the kind thing. Let's do the incarnational thing. Amen.